Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I've Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Samantha, did you keep a diary or journal at all? Uh, I did. Have we not talked about this before? I kept a diary for a very long time. I did more poems. So I have a lot of poetry books, mm-hmm. more so than diaries. I do have... Oh, and I, I'd laugh because... But it was beautifully written when I was mm-hmm. really religious and doing all of the traveling and the mission work. And I say mission work, I lived uh, for a year at a children's home in Oklahoma, working with... Uh, them and living on campus with them. And I got to meet a lot of uh, sweet people, including a lot of people from the indigenous community because they were near tribes out that way. So I got to meet a lot of amazing people. But I would keep journals of that. And I also sent out newsletters to people, which is super weird. And I got a lot of responses about how I was an amazing writer. So put that out there. I don't Uh think I am. (laughs) <laughs> but I think they love the flowery words that I would mesh with Bible verses. Mm-hmm. So I definitely did a lot of that. I tried to do the single line, one line a day thing. That did not work out. <laughs> because you just gave up? or because Yeah, it was... I lost it during the pandemic. So I haven't taken it outside the house. I just don't mm-hmm. know where it is in my house. That's, I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you? Yes, I did keep a diary. As you know, it is a very popular story among my friend group. I had a um, bad run of pets. So (laughs) I had a lot of tragic pet deaths when I was growing up. So every entry, I can laugh now, but every entry would start with like, well, Fluffy's gone. (laughs) Didn't you call him Katie? Just name them what they were. Yeah, well, one of my rabbit Fluffy, and then I had four Katies, and then I thought parakeets. And I thought the name Katie was cursed. So I named one Rebecca, but Rebecca also died very quickly. I have so, to know, did you name these after your friends and were they worried after the fact? <laughs> I don't recall naming them after my friends, but it is popular that I did because I thought 
uh, I thought Katie was the coolest. And I thought, Aww. yeah, so possibly. And Rebecca was a good friend of mine, too. So maybe. <laughs> Unfortunately, and I believe I've shared this story on the show before, I destroyed everything I wrote, whether that was like books that I wrote or stories I wrote from pretty much any time during my primary education, so kindergarten to high school. I got rid of all of them. And it makes me very sad because I do think there would be some wonderfully embarrassing things that I could uncover. Yes. But also just, I think that it could be telling to look back on some of the entries and be like, oh, you didn't know you were struggling with this. Or just this like piece of who I was that I hadn't accepted yet or didn't realize what quite what was going on or what I was wrestling with. Because I did keep I was pretty regular in in updating my journal or diary, whichever. Oh, it was mm-hmm. it had a unicorn on the front. And it had a key. It was mm-hmm. a cool. It was so Mine cool. Too. <laughs> Mine too. I didn't have a unicorn, but it definitely had the keys, all that. I also did a friends only file thing that also had keys. Oh yeah, keys. you told uh, me about that. Loved those. Well, see, the thing is, I still have the key, and it's so flimsy. Like it would have been so easy to get into that diary if somebody wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Just get a paperclip. I think you could have literally just pried it open. <laughs> but I thought it was really cool. I wore, it felt wore a key around my neck. <laughs> it felt neat. It did. It did. So I, I wanted to ask this. And before we get into the episode, a very quick trigger warning, a brief mention of sexual trauma and eating disorders. Very brief, but just in case. I wanted to talk about this because uh, I have been discussing my experience being queer and kind of claiming that identity and the journey I've gone through with it and all the questions and looking back um, and subscribing meaning to things where I didn't understand at the time what was going on. But now that I look back, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. You just didn't realize that you identified in this way. And I'm going to go ahead and say to you, if you're like me and you connect so hard with fictional characters or you're like, I, I prefer this or this or this. This is a very anti-centric episode. <laughs> so if you don't like me, you can click away. Oh, uh, if you prefer Samantha, then... <laughs> that is not a truth. Everybody wants to hear. Keep going. Yes. Okay, thank you. Well, several of you have sent me messages asking about this journey and, and uh, if I could ask if I would share it with you. And I'm always happy to share. And I thought that I would uh, just say it on podcast since it is Pride Month. This is the kind of edited message I sent to our dear listener and friend, Jamie, mm-hmm. who asked me about, about my journey and was so supportive and also open in her own. So this is a message that I sent to her and I thought I would just share it with everybody. So it feels like reading a diary entry though. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a little weird, but bear with me. I can't remember a time ever wanting to have sex and I never once had sex that I wanted to have. In high school, I pretended I did want to have sex to fit in. I thought that eventually it would kick in that maybe I was just like a late bloomer, as they say. I also thought maybe I was just a prude because I was very religious at a time. I will too. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe I mm-hmm. had just soaked up these messages and I didn't realize it. And even though I think of myself as a very liberal person, 
I had been raised in a pretty conservative environment. Maybe I just absorbed all that. This was all complicated by the fact that there were all these rumors that I was a slut uh, flying around. So people assumed I wanted to have a lot of sex and that I had had a lot of sex. And that was in part, I don't want to say my fault, but I, again, I would make these sexual jokes because I wanted to fit in and I was kind of overcompensating Mm -hmm. because I really didn't want to have sex. So I went over the top, implying that I did. I did the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) Except I'm not ace, but yes, I did the same thing as a kid. Mm -hmm. I was trying to be cool. So I was a kid that knew all about sex, which... It's funny because I didn't know anything about sex. Yeah, I had to look up what sex was in an encyclopedia. And trust me, that is not how you want to learn what it is. <laughs> I don't know. I asked my mom what a blowjob was, and that was really uncomfortable. Oh, I'm sure it was. <laughs> I am positive <laughs> that it was. <laughs> and yeah, sometimes I did, and I still do feel an intense attraction to people. Very rarely physical attraction. Usually, if that happens, it happens after the emotional attraction. But not sexual. And like sometimes I do like kissing and cuddling, but I'm too afraid to do it because I feel like it's going to escalate. And like I said, in our recent happy hour, I'm afraid I won't stand up for myself or say I don't want this because I'm so used to pleasing other people, but also doubting what I, my own self and knowing what I actually do want. I will question that too. Like, maybe you do want this. I'm like, I don't think so. And then that just becomes this loop that is not Mm -hmm. helpful. When I got to college, I tried really hard to convince myself I wanted to have sex or that I just had to get over it and have sex with people until I liked it. And this is when I started dating men and women, but I always felt safer with women. Because of my past with sexual abuse and trauma, I thought maybe one day something would click, which sounds so silly now that I've been doing years of therapy. (laughs) Like that one day it would just be fine. (laughs) I did a lot of things I didn't want to do because of this. And that makes me really sad and angry. That's one of the things that sticks with me. Mm -hmm. I also was date raped in college. So I had a new, like I had a new trauma on top of all this old trauma. So I thought maybe that's why I didn't want to have sex. And yeah, my trauma goes back to like some of my first memories. So I was like, this has been with me this whole time. So how can I know for sure? And I also realized that the eating disorder I had messes with sex drive. So I thought it could be that. Uh, Basically, all of these doubts and questions. Then I started as an intern on this very show back in 2011. I had just graduated college and we did an episode on being ace and being a romantic. And I remember thinking, huh, uh, that's the first I've heard about this other than sort of, yeah, joking misrepresentation of it. Like I have more than one memory of being laughed at or hearing someone else get laughed at when they would talk about it. And I told my then boyfriend about it, and he said it made him sad because he thought people who identified that way were clearly damaged, and we broke up soon after that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I kept thinking about it, but I was really torn about the intersection, yeah, of this sexual trauma and eating disorders and being ace and where that left me. Also, at the time, that was when there was all this, like... I don't know if science is the right word, but people were like, you know, maybe we can just boost women's sex drive as if women just in general don't have a high enough sex drive instead of maybe asking other questions. (laughs) And because my dad was dying at that time, I wanted, he wanted to have grandkids. I wanted that for him. At the time of my siblings, I was the one that had the best shot. And because our society does tell us that success equals stable relationship and or kids and your value as a woman is desirability, I tried so hard, so hard 
to make relationship work. And I felt incredibly guilty that I never wanted sex. And I reached the point, I really couldn't even have sex without having a massive panic attack. Like it, it almost never happened because it would like come time and I would just freak out. Mm-hmm. And when my last boyfriend and I broke up, he said like, I can feel myself beginning to resent you. And one of the things about that is I was resenting myself too because I knew, I knew that that was a piece that was missing and that I was, we didn't communicate about it openly and that was on both of us, but I was just internalizing all of this stuff and thinking of how how he sees me and avoiding the topic at all costs, which isn't mm-hmm. healthy. And yeah, we we thought, both of us thought that eventually I'd get there again, that it might just go away, that maybe I would want to have sex one day. And yeah, now I've come to realize that that was not the case and that I shouldn't have tried to force it. I don't really blame either of us because we were younger and I didn't know. I do think we both could have communicated way better, but I don't. That's just where we were <laughs> in that time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sex is not something I want or really think about, even though I do sometimes wish it was. And sometimes I still want other aspects of a physical relationship. Mostly, I just want a companion that I can kiss and cuddle and occasionally feel up. But my trust issues are so severe, it's going to take a long <laughs> time before I reach that point if I ever, ever reach that point. I like to believe being in a healthy relationship as an asexual person exists. And I will put in here, Jamie, who I was corresponding with with this, she is a good example of that. She has found that. And I know that it does exist. So this is also a couple years old when I wrote this. So it's interesting to see how I've changed even from this. But yeah, I've felt like something's wrong with me my entire life. And I've done so much that I wished I hadn't to fit in. So knowing that there are others out there like me, it's hugely validating. And to this day, it blows my mind that I was willing to get married and have kids with someone I wasn't in love with to please my dad. Mm. (laughs) And that even to this day, I'm both scared by sexual attraction and feel like I need it to prove my worth. And that sends me on a very dark cycle. And at the time I was writing this, I had recently had a friend of my family's say... She was married to someone who didn't want to have sex and how sad that made her and how that something had to be wrong with him and that's why they broke up. And that cultural association between love and sex has been one that I have been struggling with. I've been talking about it on this very show just because that's how it's commonly depicted and that's that makes me feel like a failure. Like I owe someone something or else I'm just a tease or it's not love and I know that's not true. I know it's not true. Um, and you can't have healthy relationships without sex and even romantic relationships without sex. It's just been... It's a lot of stuff I have to unlearn. Right. And you're not the only one. Just even without identifying as aces, it's still a complication in trying to understand the implications of sex and what that means. And it it has become such a, almost a holdover, especially uh, for young girls Mm -hmm. and uh, just people in general who feel vulnerable when it comes to what that means. And oftentimes the misconceptions that usually benefit men yeah, and harm women in general. Um, and then again, our value is still undermined by what someone else's attraction to them yeah. is. And it's just such a gross aspect in general. And it has led into a whole societal failing. 
Yeah. But we're not going to get into all that. But yeah, and uh, I'm very proud of who you are. And I think you have done a phenomenal job of being an example for others. And the honesty that comes out is just as much a working progress for everyone else who are trying to learn yeah. anything about themselves in general. And it's been beautiful. Well, I am proud of who you are too, Samantha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I... Like I said, on that happy hour we did recently, I'm still learning and I still have questions. And I, you listeners have just been so helpful for all of this. And it, when I hear from someone who's like, oh, you've, you've helped me hearing your story, helped me, that is, that's what this is all about. That is so amazing. And I'm so happy that we can connect on that way um, and find community in that way. So that being said, thank you so much for listening to my story. We always really appreciate hearing from you. If you would like to contact us, you can. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Instagram at Stuff I've Never Told You or on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. We're always proud of you too. Yes. Yes. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions.